This is the Ford Theater. Our play today, Sinclair Lewis's famous novel, Aerosmith. The human story of the sacrifices a doctor made for science. The Ford Theater is presented by the Ford Motor Company, makers of Ford, Mercury, and Lincoln cars, and Ford trucks, farm tractors, and industrial engines. In the past three generations, millions of Americans have learned to rely on Ford products. For three generations, Ford has led the way in the development of more dependable, more economical transportation. Today, in the third generation, more than eight million Americans prefer Ford products. They know from experience you can depend on Ford. This afternoon, we welcome home our regular Ford Theater spokesman, Howard Lindsay who during the past three weeks in Detroit has launched his highly successful comedy, Life with Mother. We take great pleasure in presenting Mr. Howard Lindsay. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be back again here on the stage of the Ford Theater to preside over this, the final production in the current series of Ford Theater presentations, Sinclair Lewis's great novel, Aerosmith. Aerosmith is, as you must surely know, the story of a doctor. In today's Ford Theater radio adaptation by John Houseman, the story will be told by Martin Aerosmith himself. As our curtain rises, Dr. Martin Aerosmith, the celebrated bacteriologist, is seated at his desk in the library of his house in New York. It is night, and the large room is lit by a solitary desk lamp. Dr. Aerosmith is pondering as he gazes at a sheet of paper before him. Thirty-two years of medicine. Thirty-two years of devotion to science. And now this. A piece of paper to show for it. This is the final reward for my work. My work and the work of those who stood with me. There were others when I started. One by one, they're gone. Professor Gottlieb was right when he told me that if I continued with this work, it might be at the cost of my health, my happiness, my life, and the lives of those I loved. Gottlieb was always right. In fact, it was Gottlieb who started me along this path. I remember entering his office at the University of Winnemac. Well? Dr. Gottlieb? Yes? My name is Aerosmith, Martin Aerosmith. I'm a freshman, Winnemac Medical School. Sit down. Thank you, sir. I'd like awfully to take bacteriology this fall instead of next. So? I've had a lot of chemistry, even though it is my first year. No, it is not time for you. Honestly, I know I could do it now, Professor Gottlieb. Aerosmith, there are two kinds of student that the gods give me. One kind... They dump on me like a bushel of potatoes. I do not like potatoes. And the potatoes, they do not ever seem to have great affection for me. But I take them and teach them to kill patients. The other kind, they are very few. They seem, for some reason that is not at all clear to me, to wish a little bit to become scientists, to work with bugs and make mistakes. Though... Ah, those. I seize them. I denounce them. I teach them right away the ultimate lesson of science, which is to wait and doubt. Of the potatoes, I demand nothing. Of the foolish ones like you, who think I could teach them something, I demand everything. Therefore, I say to you, Aerosmith, come back 
in a year. But honestly, sir, with my chemistry... You are too young. Come back next year. Twelve months later, I went back to him. During the next year and the year after that, I studied under him. And I learned more than the usual lessons of bacteriology. Into me, he infused the zeal, the determination, and the humility of science. That's how it started, with Gottlieb. For what I've accomplished, his was the example. His, the spirit, and the inspiration. But there was the other, without whom it could never have been. Without her courage and faith, without her love, without Leora. I remember the day I met her. You haven't been here at the hospital before, have you? I'm from the Winnemac Medical School. Dr. Gottlieb sent me over to catch a specimen of meningococcus. He raised with Dr. Jenkins. Oh, what did you say the patient's name was? Earhart. Mrs. Earhart is in Ward D, where that nurse is scrubbing the floor. Can you tell me the way to Ward D? Stand on this side, please. I want to scrub over there. I'm looking for Ward D. Are you? I am. I'm sorry to interrupt your work. It looks very important. Well, it isn't. The superintendent of nurses put me at scrubbing. Student nurses aren't ever supposed to scrub floors. She caught me smoking a cigarette. She's an old terror, and you better get along before she sees you here. If she found a child like you wandering around, she'd drag you out by the ear. My dear young woman, it may interest oh, you to know... Oh, my dear young woman. Hmm, you sound exactly like old Dr. Wilson back home. What's your name? I'm Dr. Aerosmith. It was my impression that even probationers learned that the first duty of a nurse is to stand when addressing a doctor. I'm looking for Ward D to take a strain of, it may interest you to know, a very dangerous microbe. So if you kindly direct oh, me... heavens, I've been getting fresh again. I'll stand up. I didn't mean to be rude. I was just... Well, scrubbing makes me bad-tempered. I'm sorry I hurt your feelings, but you do seem so young for a doctor. I'm not. I'm a medical student. I was showing off. So was I. It, it looks pretty hard, this training for nursing. Oh, it's not so awful. Only it's just a little less romantic than being a hired girl. That's what we call them in Dakota. Are you from Dakota? Uh-huh. You ever been there? No. Lots of weeds and lots of Swedes. And I come from the most enterprising town in the entire state of North Dakota, Wheatsylvania, 362 inhabitants. <laughs> uh, are you at the medical school? I'm a junior at Winnemag. Huh? Are you good? Not really. I like the lab side. I'm going to be a bacteriologist. <laughs> Not much for the bedside manner. I'm glad you get it here plenty. You ought to hear some of the docs that are the sweetest old pussies with their patients and the way they ball out the nurses. But labs, they seem sort of real from what I've seen of them. I don't suppose you can bluff a bacteria, or is it bacterium? Is that what they call it? No, they... What do they call you? Me? Oh, it's an idiotic name. Leora Tozier. What's the matter with Leora? It's fine. Do you really think so? Leora. Oh, I gotta run. Gottlieb's waiting for those bugs. Leora, can you get away from the hospital for dinner? What? Tonight? What? Please. All right. When can I call for you? Well, I really don't think I... Around seven? We'll go to the Grand Hotel. Oh, no, we won't. It's terribly expensive. Unless you're awfully rich. You aren't, are you? No, I'm not. Just got enough money to get through medical school. We'll go to the Bijou. It's a nice place. I mean, it isn't expensive, and they've got a funny machine there with a fiddle and a drum and a sort of trumpet inside a kind of window, and when you put nickels well, so in... so long, it... then. I'll see you tonight. Hey, just a minute. You don't think I go out with every doc and medic who asks me, do you? Leora. But I'm awful glad you did. Am I an idiot to admit it? You see, Leora, up to now, most research has been mainly a matter of trial and error. Oh. The empiric method, which is the opposite of the scientific method, by which you try to establish a general law governing a group of phenomena so that you can predict what will happen next time and the time after that. Do you understand? Oh, oh sure, I understand. That's where Gottlieb leaves all these detailed, groping, machine-made researchers, just as he does the commercial docs. Do you begin to get him? 
Do you, Leora? Yes, I, I think I do. Anyway, I get how excited you are about it. And, and please don't bully me so. <laughs> Was I bullying? Uh-huh. I didn't mean to. Only when I get to thinking about the way most of these professors don't even know what Gottlieb is up to, the or there isn't one of those idiots can see the relation of his work on the synthesis of antibodies to the discoveries of Arrhenius. Hey, am I boring you? Oh, no, you're not. I get so technical and so noisy. I'm an idiot. You don't even stop me. Because I love it. You do? Uh-huh. I love having you trust me. Oh, I'm not earnest and I haven't any brains, whatever, but I do love it that that you think I'm intelligent enough to hear what you really think. You see, I'm the sort of girl that... You don't have to tell me about yourself. I've always known you, Leora. At least I've always known you were there. Now that I've found you, I'm not going to let you go, no matter what. Leora, you're going to marry me... Are you going to marry me? I've asked you five times this week. I'm not going to ask you again. Well, you never give me a chance to answer. Of course, yes, I'll marry you. And I warn you, it isn't a bit of use you're looking at any other woman ever again, because now that I've got you, I'm never going to give you up. I'll marry you now. Leora, darling. Oh, Martin, will you please let me finish a sentence just this once? I'll marry you, and you'll be happy with me, because you can bully me. Because I'll tag after you the way nobody else ever would. I'm stupid and ordinary, but... I do admire you a whole lot. And I do know your work is more important than I am. Maybe more important than you are. I'll always remember that. And I won't let you forget it either. Oh, and one more thing. Do you mind if I call you Sandy? Sandy? Why? I don't know why. You're as unsandy as you can be, but somehow Sandy means you to me. Oh, Sandy... I do love you so. We were married at the city hall in Zenith, the end of the medical year. Strange how the threads of our lives run together, and then apart. Finding Leora, for a time at least, I lost Gottlieb. In my resolve to establish myself as a doctor and to support my wife, my lab work, which so recently had seemed the only important thing in my life, gradually fizzled out. One night, I was off duty. Leora and I were walking home. Suddenly, ahead of us, the tall, stooped figure of a man appeared, coming towards us slowly down the street. Under the streetlight, I saw his face. Hello, Martin. Professor Gottlieb. You still remember me? Why, I... Of course I do. I'm sorry. How is everything, Martin? Well, everything's fine. I mean, I'm getting along, I guess. I'll be a practicing doc in three months. I want you to meet my wife, sir. Mrs. Arrowsmith? Dr. Gottlieb, I, I'm very glad to know you. Thank you. Your husband, Mrs. Arrowsmith, was going to be a good research worker. A true scientist. Sometimes, Mrs. Arrowsmith, make him remember... Yes, Doctor. I will. Good night. Good night, sir. Good night, Professor Gottlieb. Good night, Martin. Oh. So that's your Dr. Gottlieb. Yes. Leora, how does he strike you? Sandy, I think he's the greatest man I've ever seen. I I don't know how I know, but I do. He's... Well, he's like a sword. No, no, he's like a brain walking... And, oh, Sandy, he looks so lonely and wretched, I wanted to cry. Sandy, are you sure you want to give up working with him? My dear Leora, a scientist working in a laboratory simply can't afford the luxury of marriage. Sandy. Well, I'm not being bitter about it, darling. I knew I'd have to give up those dreams and practice medicine. I did it with my eyes open and for one excellent reason. I love you. Now let's go home. Well, come on. Do you want to stand under this street lamp all night? Sandy. Yes? If... If you'd like to go back to Gottlieb... Maybe. Someday. Forget it. It doesn't really matter.
In Act Two of the Ford Theater's presentation of Aerosmith, we shall discover how strongly Dr. Gottlieb's influence affected Martin Aerosmith's progress. In the meantime, let's turn our attention to a young man who has progress to report in another field. He is Kenneth Banghart, speaking for the Ford Motor Company. Yes, Mr. Lindsay, I do have progress to report. Revolutionary progress in the field of automobiles. And it's all summed up in the name, the Ford 49er. The 49 Ford is truly a new car, a complete break with the past. In every detail, it was designed and built to meet the needs and desires of modern American motorists. For many months, the Ford Motor Company worked to find out exactly what the public desired. With surveys, letters, questionnaires, and personal interviews, Ford learned what people want in their new cars. And then the Ford 49er was built that way. People said they wanted room, and so the 49 Ford is big. The seats, for instance, are wide enough for three people to sit comfortably. The rear seat, a full five feet wide. There's plenty of head and leg room, and 57% more luggage space. The Ford 49er is really roomy. People said they wanted safety, and so the new Ford has a new lifeguard body, 59% more rigid. New Magic Action king-size brakes that are one-third easier to operate, and picture window visibility all around more than 20 square feet of windows. People said they wanted comfort, and so the Ford 49er has a new midship ride, new hydrocoil front springs, and new extra-strong paraflex rear springs. People said they wanted economy, so the 49 Ford offers two new economy engines, a 95-horsepower 6 and a 100-horsepower V8. With a new lubrication system, new equiflow cooling, and deep breath manifolding, among other improvements, there are savings of up to 10% on gasoline. In addition, for the first time in its history, the new Ford offers at extra cost a factory-installed overdrive, which means easier driving and additional gas savings. And all people said they wanted beauty. So the Ford 49er has the look of the year. That's the progress report from Ford. Today, in your dealer's showroom, you can see a revolutionary new car, the one and only new car in its field, the car of the year, the 49 Ford. The second act of the Ford Theater's presentation of Aerosmith will be heard after a brief pause for station identification. Martin Aerosmith emerged from medical school, inspired by Dr. Gottlieb with a high resolve to pursue his research work, he faced a situation which has confronted many a crusader. First, he must earn a living for himself and for Leora. To this end, he decided to set up practice as a country doctor in Leora's hometown of Wheatsylvania. In all his life, Martin Aerosmith never forgot his first meeting with Leora's father and mother and brother Bert, the cashier of the local bank. We've had such a nice idea, Martin. Yes, Mother Tozer? Leora, are you listening? Uh, yes, Mother, I'm listening. We're going to fix up an office for you out in the barn. It'll be handy to the house for you to get to meals on time. And you could keep an eye on the house if the girl goes out. And Leora and I went out visiting or, or to the embroidery circle. In the barn? That's right, in the old harness room. Partly sealed, and we could put in some tar paper or even beaver board. Mr. Tozer, what exactly do you think I'm planning to do here? I'm not a hired man in a livery stable. For a kid looking for a place to put his bird's eggs, I was thinking of opening an office as a physician. Yeah, but you ain't much of a physician yet. You're just getting your toes in. I'm a darn good physician, Bert. Why, nights in the hospital, I've held dozens of lives in my hand, and I have every intention... Look to... here, Martin, we're putting up the money, Pop and I... Now, I don't want to be a tightwad, but after all, a dollar's a dollar. And if we furnish any dough, we ought to decide the best way to spend it. Isn't that so, Pop? That's right, son. No sense putting on airs. Stands to reason you can look at a fellow's sore throat or prescribe for an earache just as well in a nice, simple little office as in some fool place all fixed up like a Milwaukee saloon. Now, Mother will fix that barn up nice and comfortable for you. Papa. Uh, yes, Leora? Papa, I want you to lend us $1,000 outright to use it as we see fit. $1,000? Jumping... We'll pay you 6%. No, we won't. We'll pay you 5 That's enough. And mortgages bring you 6 7 and 8 Five's enough. 
And we want our own say absolute as to how we use it to fix up an office or anything else. Why, Leora? No, Leora, that's no way Leora, are you crazy? We'll have to lend you the money, I guess, but you'll blame well come to us for it from time to time. You'll blame well take our advice. Bert! And Papa. Now, you listen to me. Either you do what I say, just exactly what I say, or Martin and I take the first train and go back to Zenith, and I mean it. But, Leora, now, just a minute, don't... Well, do we get our thousand dollars, or do we go back to Zenith? Martin Aerosmith, oh, M.D. Martin Aerosmith, M.D. Oh, gee, Sandy, the sign of grand. Not so bad, is it? I guess this shack will be kind of hot in summer. Rain on the roof will keep us awake when it rains, but... You know, Leora, I think I'm going to like it here. Only I sure wish the patients would start coming in. I kind of expected a few of them today, just to make us feel at home. Sandy, you don't know this town. It'll be months before any of these farmers will have the courage to try the new doctor... Well, what are we going to do? Just sit here and wait? Come on over here, Sandy, and I'll show you what we're going to do. See this old box? And here's an auger I swiped from the hospital. I'm going to bore holes in that box, just big enough to hold test tubes, and, and I'm rigging up an oven contraption for a sterilizer. And, and here in the back... Leora, huh? you figured all that out for me. Not for you, Sandy. For old Professor Gottlieb, who believes in you. My first patient was Nils Cragg, the carpenter, with an ulcerated tooth. I pulled it. The second was a boy with a fish hook in his finger. I cauterized the wound. Both patients lived. In a couple of years, I'd build up a pretty fair practice in Wheatsylvania. One day in spring, while I was out fishing, a woman rushed out of a farmhouse nearby, shrieking that her baby had swallowed a thimble. I operated with a jackknife, sterilized over a steam kettle. From then on, I was a local celebrity, and my practice doubled. Oh, gee, it's fierce being married. Here I was, all set to follow you out in the road and be a hobo, and now suddenly you've become a pillar of the community. Only I warn you, Sandy, when you become a director of Burt's Bank, don't expect me to sit in the cage behind you and make change. But Leora needn't have worried. One morning I read in the paper that Gustav Sundelius, the great Swedish scientist and plague fighter, was coming to Minneapolis to lecture on public health. I made the long trip to hear him. After the lecture, I waited to talk to him. We ended up in a restaurant. So, now this is better, Aerosmith, away from that gloomy hall. Here we can talk. Dr. Sundelius, do you know Professor Gottlieb? Gottlieb, I should say. I do know him. I had the pleasure to um, talk with him in New York last week. He is now at the McGurk Institute. He is doing great work there. I will tell you one thing. A scientist like Gottlieb makes me look like a circus clown. When, um, when I saw him, he took all my statements about epidemiology and shows me I know nothing, nothing at all. Gottlieb is the spirit of science. He and a few others, they are the leaders of our fight to push disease off the earth. That's what I want to do, Dr. Sandalius. Not spend my life just mending a lot of worn-out bodies. Then someday, my fine young fellow, maybe you will become a true scientist like Gottlieb. Or maybe even a policeman with a mousetrap and a kerosene pail like me. Gottlieb and me, the scientist and the man of action. We make together a new world. And maybe one day you join us. The next morning, I was back in Wheatsylvania with the words of Sundalius in my ears. They took nearly three years to bear fruit. Then, finally, one day, I think Leora knew it was coming. Well, Sandy, out with it. Out with what? It's been on your mind for weeks, darling. Let's have it. You'll feel better when you've said it. All right. Leora, I want to get out of here. I know you do. I like these people, all right. And I'm not doing a bad job. But it's not what I was cut out for. It's not what I studied for. I know that, Sandy. I've known it right along. Oh, I could stick it out, and I would. Except, life's short. And I think I'm a really good worker in some ways. Gottlieb saw it. Sundalius seemed to feel it. It's time I got to my real work. Back to Gottlieb. So, on we go. All right, Leora? 
Gee, it's fierce being married. Just as I'm getting used to being a pillar of the community, I have to switch right back and make up my mind all over again to be a hobo. Well, I'm too lazy to look up a new husband. So, on we go. Martin, Dr. Gottlieb. Martin. <laughs> it is hard to speak. This is good to see you again after six years. This is very good. Your laboratory here at the McGurk Institute is three doors down the hall. You don't know how grateful I am. Gratitude, bah. I had a feeling by now you should be tired of trying to be a good citizen and ready to do some real work. How's that girl you married? Why, she's fine, Doctor. I think she was good for you, that little girl. She made you work out there on the prairie. Uh, Martin, uh, in that paper you sent me to publish, uh, it was not bad, you understand? Not bad at all, but uh, there was one thing I objected very much. You say the regularity of the rate at which the streptolysin disappears suggests that the equation may be found. But it can, sir. Then why did you not make the equation? Why did you not find it? Well, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't enough of a mathematician. Then you should not have published until you knew your math. Marty, Marty. Did I teach you nothing? Look, Dr. Gottlieb, do you really think I know enough to work here? It's what I've always wanted. And I do want terribly to succeed. Succeed? What is that word? It is English. Oh, yes, I've heard it. I remember now. It is a word that uh, little schoolboys use at the university at Winmap. It means to pass examinations. But there are no examinations here, Martin. To be a scientist is like being a Goethe, a Shakespeare. It is born in you. Sometimes I think you have a little of it born in you. If you have. You must work twice as hard as you can and keep people from using you. I will try to protect you from success. It is all I can do. So, I should wish, Martin, that you will be very happy here. The blessing of Pasteur be upon you. So began our years in New York. The happiest time of my life. Nothing much happened. Just month after month. Long, satisfying days of work at the McGurk Institute. And evenings they all waiting for me at the apartment. I was working on staphylococcus germs. Trying to produce a more effective antitoxin in the treatment of infectious diseases. I fumbled at first. I made vast experiments with no results. Week after week, month after month. Then one night, or rather early one morning... Hello? Yes? Leora? Oh, oh Sandy. Sandy, how are you? I, I was so worried I called you at the lab and the phone didn't answer. It's almost daylight. Woman, I've got it. Huh? The real big stuff. I've found something that eats bugs, dissolves them, kills them, annihilates them. Oh, my darling, that's... Wonderful. Laura, listen to this. To what I've just written in my notes. Are you listening? Oh, yes, darling. Of course I am. I have observed a principle, which I shall temporarily call the X principle, in a staphylococcus infection, which checks the growth of several strains of staphylococcus. Which dissolves the staphylococci from the infection in question. Mm-hmm. Arrowsmith, I don't believe you quite realize what you've done. Why, Dr. McGurk, I think I may have hit on something. Don't be so modest, my boy. With that ex-principle of yours, you may have discovered the supreme way to kill pathogenic bacteria. And you didn't even tell us. Now, I admire your caution, but you must understand, Aerosmith, the basic aim of this institution is the conquest of disease, not making pretty scientific notes. Oh, if your results are confirmed, and uh, this time even Gottlieb seems impressed with your findings, you've hit on one of the discoveries of the generation. We'll publish immediately. We'll have the whole world talking. Well, first, Dr. McGurk, don't you think Dr. Gottlieb should check my experiment? Nonsense. Old Gottlieb's a grand scientist and all that, but he's too cautious, too theoretical. Aerosmith, I have plans for you. I've decided to submit to the Board of Trustees a plan for a new branch of research. 
with you as head of the department. But Dr. McGurk, how could I... From now on, Aerosmith, you report to me directly, instead of to Gottlieb. Dr. McGurk... And your salary will be, I should think, if the other trustees confirm me, doubled to 10,000 a year. Well, Martin, what are you going to do? Will you accept this bribe? Dr. Gottlieb, I know you don't approve, but it won't do any good to talk about it. You have decided to accept his offer? Yes. No, Martin. I do not think you will. Why not? Why shouldn't I? It's about time, Leora, and I had a chance to live like other people. Martin... Something sort of bad, perhaps not altogether bad, has happened. Bad? What? What is it? In a way, it is a pity, Martin, what I have to tell you. Martin Aerosmith, you are not the discoverer of the ex-principal. What? Someone else has done it. They couldn't have. I've searched all the literature, and except for McCabe, not one person has even hinted at anticipating... Good Lord, Dr. Gottlieb, it would mean that all I've done all these months has just been wasted. Darrell of the Pasteur Institute has just now published in the Contrendu this report. It is your ex-principle, absolute. Only he calls it bacteriophage. So you see, Martin? Yes, I see. I've missed the boat. Lord, maybe I oughtn't to care. Of course, Martin, you could claim to be co-discoverer and spend the rest of your life fighting to get recognized. Or you could forget it and write a nice letter congratulating Darrell and go back to work. I'll go back to work. Nothing else to do. I guess McGurk will chuck a new department now. Yes, there is no doubt. Anyway, I'll have time to finish my research. Maybe I've still got some points that Darrell hasn't hit on And I'll publish it to corroborate him, confound him. Give me the report, Doctor. I suppose you're glad that I'm saved from being a success. I ought to be. It is a sin against my religion that I'm not. But I'm getting old and you are my friend, Martin. I'm sorry that you're not to have the fun of being pretentious and successful for a while. But, Martin, it is nice that you will corroborate the realm. To work and not to care too much if somebody else gets the credit. That is science. search for truth, as Martin Aerosmith discovered, is beset by bitter disappointments. It has been said that progress in science is made by a series of tiny steps forward, which added together represent a big step forward. This is true also in the field of automotive engineering. Kenneth Banghart will tell you about it. During the first year the Ford Theater's been on the air, the Ford Motor Company made much progress in a lot of news. During the past 39 weeks, I've reported many things to you, including the complete line of new models introduced by the Ford Motor Company, the new bonus-built Ford trucks, the two new 1949 Lincolns, the new 1949 Mercury, and the new Ford 49er. Today is my last report until the Ford Theater returns to the air in October, on Friday evening, October the 8th, to be exact, on a different network. But I have one more bit of news to report to you today... It will be of particular interest to you if you're one of the millions who are making plans about one of those new 49 Fords. The rate of production of the Ford 49er is increasing steadily, and the Ford Motor Company is working hard to build as many cars as possible for the many motorists who want them. In the meantime, to make your present car run better and last longer, visit your neighboring Ford or Lincoln Mercury dealer. There are more than 7,500 Ford and Lincoln Mercury dealers serving every community in the United States. Service is their business, and they will be glad to serve you. During this summer, remember, for fine service in any community, you can depend on Ford and Lincoln Mercury dealers. And for fine cars in any field, you can depend on Ford products. Ford, Mercury, and Lincoln. The experience of three generations of Americans has proven... You can depend on Ford. 
Act three of the Ford Theater's presentation of Aerosmith. Martin Aerosmith's elation at finding a new germ destroyer was matched only by his chagrin at learning that his discovery had been anticipated by a European scientist. Martin has returned to work harder than ever at the McGurk Institute Laboratories, little knowing that his career, his whole life, is moving toward its climax. That third year at the McGurk Institute, I sunk myself in a grind of drudgery. I was concentrating on immunization. Month after month, my work, my hands, my technique became more adept. My days more steady, less fretful. I was working on bacteriologically produced immunity to disease. I injected rats with deadly bubonis germs and produced an immunity to the plague. My lab became known as the pest house. And here one day, I received a visitor. Hey, get out of here. You know nobody's supposed oh, to come in here. Oh, so this is I predicted. Dr. Sundalius. Didn't I tell you that night in Minneapolis one day you would join up with us, Gottlieb and Sundalius? Sundalius and Gottlieb, the man of action and the man of science. Oh, gosh, it's good to see you, sir. Uh, now, what are you doing here? I read you were on your way to the West Indies. I am, I am. They have a fine epidemic of bubonic plague down there, the real thing, on the island of uh, St. Hubert's. If it isn't stopped quick, it spreads to the whole West Indies, and after that, who knows? I'm on my way to fight it, but uh, first, I must recruit my army. Ah, the rat catchers? Yeah, you remember that. Your traps, I have. Seven beautiful, deadly new kinds. And uh, flamethrowers and a lot of uh, hydrocyanic acid gas. But it is not enough to kill rats. We must also save humans. Aerosmith, I um, hear a lot from many people of this new uh, serum you have. What do you call it? You lab men with the big names. Bacteriophage. Phage for short. Phage. Uh, well, my friend, you with your um, serum and me with my rat poison. Who knows what we could do? Maybe one day we cure the whole world of plague. You mean you're asking me to go with you? Yeah. Martin, when do we start? <laughs> I'm going with you. You are not. I am, and it's no use arguing. Well, Laura, it's not safe. Don't you understand? Oh, you can tell that to other people, not to me. Of course it's safe. Just inject that new serum into me, and I'll be absolutely all right. Oh, I've got a husband who cures things I have. And I'm going to blow in a lot of money for thin dresses, though I'll bet St. Hubert isn't any hotter than Dakota can be in August. Oh, listen, Leora, darling, listen. I do think this serum of mine will immunize against the plague. You bet I'll be darn well injected with it myself. But I don't know... Not yet. I can't be sure. And even if it were practically perfect, there'd always be some people it wouldn't protect. Oh, you simply can't go, sweet, so that's that. Now, come on and help me with my packing. Come on. Just a minute, Sandy. Leora. Will you listen to me? Sure, Leora. Sandy, don't you know I haven't any life outside of you? I might have had, but honestly, I've been glad to let you absorb me. I'm lazy and ignorant and, and useless. Except as maybe I keep you comfortable. And if you were off there in that island, and I didn't know you were all right, or if you... if you died, and somebody else cared for your body, I'd go mad. I mean it, can't you see? I mean it, I'd go mad. Darling, will you stop talking that no, way? No, now wait. Don't you understand, Sandy? I'm you, and I've got to be with you. And I will help you. I I'll make you serum and, and everything. You know how often I've helped you, and... And maybe in St. Hubert, maybe you won't find anybody that can help you even my little bit. And I'll cook and everything. Oh, darling, don't make it harder for me. It's going to be hard enough. Sandy! Yes, darling? Don't you dare use those old stuck-up explanations that husbands have been drooling out to wives forever and ever. I'm not a wife any more than you're a husband. You're a rotten husband. You neglect me absolutely. The only time you know what I look like is when I got a hole in my dress or a doggone smudge on my nose, and then you bawl me out. But I don't care. I'd rather have you than any model husband. And anyway, it's... It's no use you arguing with me. I'm going. Well, Martin, everything ready to sail? Just about, Dr. Gottlieb. Martin, 
I grow old, not in years only. Maybe I do not see you again, Martin. You're a man now and a genuine worker. You will not mind if I give you advice for the last time. Dr. Gottlieb, you know I want that. Be sure you do not let anything, not even your own kind heart, spoil your experiment at St. Hubert. Remember what I have taught you, to use the serum with only half your patients and keep the other half as controls under normal hygienic conditions, but without the serum. Then you can make an absolute demonstration of its value, something definite and scientific. I... I promise, Doctor. I'll do what you say. That is good. You must have pity, but not for those you see die. You must have pity for generation after generation yet to come. We sailed on the steamer Burian with Sundaly's equipment and my cases of serum. As we steamed south into the rising heat, for a few days I almost forgot my experiment and our mission. I looked at Leora, so thin a little figure stretched out on the deck chair beside me, and I felt as if I were looking at her for the first time. Hey, Sandy. Huh? What are you looking so wistful about? I was thinking, I have a chance to be human, Leora. A chance at last. I was thinking how lonely you must have been in New York. But I haven't. Don't be foolish. Of course you've been lonely. Well, when we get back, I'll take a little time off every day and we'll... We'll have walks and go places and everything. And I'll send you flowers every morning. Tell me, honey, has it been too terribly dull? Fine, really. No, but tell me. Well, there's nothing to tell. Oh, now, hang it, Leora. Here, when I do have the first chance in 11,000 years to think about you, and I come right out, frankly, and admit how slack I've been, planning to send you flowers... Oh, you look here, Sandy Arrowsmith. Quit bullying me. You want the luxury of harrowing yourself but by thinking what a, a poor, bawling, wretched storybook wife I am. Oh, it'd be terrible when we get back to New York if you did get on the job and devoted yourself to showing me a good time. What... You'd go at it like a bull. I'd have to be sedratted grateful for the flowers every day. The days you didn't forget. And the way you'd rush me off to the movies when I wanted to stay home and snooze. Well, by thunder, of oh, all... Oh, no, please. You're dear and you're good, but you're so bossy that I've always got to be whatever you want, even if it's being lonely. Oh, Sandy, I do love you awful much. And if I could, I'd be as ill-treated as a dickens so you could enjoy it. Oh, Leora. This is... This is only the first of our big hikes. Just the first. We're going places. Pretty soon, if I'm successful in St. Hubert, I'll begin to count in science. Then we'll go abroad to France and England and Italy and everywhere. Sandy, how wonderful, how exciting. Going places together. You are the port, Doctor. No, not exactly. I'm Dr. Stokes of St. Swithin's Parish. We're all of us almost everything nowadays. The port doctor died a couple of days ago. I'm Sundelius. Yes, Dr. Sundelius. I've read of your work. And uh, this is Dr. Aerosmith and uh, Mrs. Aerosmith. Mrs. Oh, how do you do? How do you do, Doctor? Uh... Dr. Aerosmith, I'm glad you're here. I read your plague serum paper and was very much impressed. Good. But uh, I'd better tell you something before we go ashore. You'll be opposed here. The Surgeon General has lost his head, running in circles, afraid to burn the villages of Kirub where most of the effect infection is. Aerosmith, I have a notion of what you want to do experimentally. If the Surgeon General balks you, or if you find it's too late... You come to me in my parish if I'm still alive. Thank you, Dr. Stokes. Uh, how many bubonic cases you got now? Lord knows, maybe a thousand. 
Of ten million rats? Oh, sorry, I haven't slept in days. Well, we'd better be going ashore. Is this all your stuff? No. Hey, boy! Yes, get this baggage ashore in these cases. Yes, Leora, don't come ashore. Stay on the ship. You can still go back, please. Not come? Me? The secretary and technical assistant of the McGurk, whatever it is? Oh, Sandy, are you out of your mind? St. Hubert was a silent city. We walked down deserted streets. House shutters were closed against the oppressive heat. A crying woman and a bewildered child followed an open wagon on which were heaped a dozen stiff bodies. We turned around and walked back to our house. With Leora's help, I started to improvise a laboratory. We unpacked the serum. I started to prepare my notes for the controlled experiment. Half the population to be injected, half not. Sandelius got out his equipment, strapped his wrists, put on high boots, and made ready for his rat crusade. Martin, Leora, tonight I start on the village of Carib. You watch me. I am captain general of rat killers. Without rats, we have no fleas. And without fleas, there is no bubonic. So I fixed them quick. In one week, there will be not one rat on this island. You watch. When they hear I have come, they will kill themselves. I just walk into a warehouse and rats say, Here's all Uncle Gustav. What's the use? And they turn up their toes and die. <laughs> so, so I uh, go now. Goodbye, my friend. Gustav. Yeah, what? You're not going out, Gustav. Not until you've had an injection of serum. Come over here. No, sir. Come here. No, Martin. You and Gottlieb, I know what you have decided to inject only half the people. And then, like true scientists, you will sit back and you will watch. You will see who dies most. Those who are injected and those who are not. This you call control. Gustav, don't you understand? I understand, and maybe they are right, Martin and Gottlieb. Maybe that is the way of science. But to me, humanity is greater than science. Unless you inject everyone, I will not have the serum. Oh, please, Gustav, do as Sandy says. Let him inject you. I, I've had my first shot. No, Leora, I will do anything for you, but not that. Goodbye, children. I now go out to fight the rats. In three days, I come back and we celebrate. <laughs> Gustav. Hmm? Martin? Hello? I've been looking for you everywhere. Uh, I'm sorry, Martin. I feel a little tired. I lie down for a while. Well, uh, Martin, what do you think of our work? Uh, those rats. We shot them with guns. We poisoned them with gas. We burned them with fire. It uh, is, as I told you, Martin, in this whole village after three days... Not one rat left. Gustav, what is it? Your eyes. You've got a fever. Yeah, Martin, I think it's got me. Some flea got me from one of those cursed rats. I was just uh, thinking I better quarantine myself. <laughs> I, who have isolated so many, it is my turn. Yeah, I have... Fever, all right. I'm going to take you home, Gustav. We'll nurse you. No, you will not take me home. I'm going to give you the serum right now. This time you can't stop. Martin, don't try to fool me. It's too late for serum. It's too late for anything. Gustav. Martin, give all those poor people the serum. Save them. All of them. Oh, Martin... I didn't think it could hurt so much. Early next morning, Sodalius died. I would have liked to have granted his request. But I remembered my promise to Gottlieb. In a truly scientific test, there must be a control. 
even if it cost lives. So I decided to join Dr. Stokes in St. Swithin's, where the disease was still in the spreading stage. Once again, I tried to be firm. Once again, Leora insisted on coming. Besides, I figured maybe she'd be safer along with me. We worked for days, giving the serum to only half the natives. At last, we had results. How many have we injected since morning, Dr. Stokes? 395. How many to go? 212 for the second injection. Want to go right on? Might as well. We ought to be through by four. All right, I'll get them lined up. As soon as you've had a bite to eat, we'll let them in. Thanks, Dr. Stokes. Arrowsmith. Yes? I'd... I'd like to shake your hand. Why, Dr. Stokes. I've been wanting to do this for days, only I was afraid to believe it myself until the second injection had time to work. Now I know. Arrowsmith, it works. For the first time in human history, with every scientific check to verify it, a serum against bubonic has worked. Oh, then. You must be very proud of him, Mrs. Arrowsmith. You... Oh. Well, I'll... I'll get things started. Sergeant, have the lines ready. We're going right through and we finish the job. Sandy, do you agree with Dr. Stokes? About the serum? Has it really been proved beyond any doubt? Yes. It has, Leora. Then, Sandy, why don't you... Why don't you give it to all of them? I haven't wanted to say anything, not as long as the experiment was in doubt. But now, Sandy, please... All right. I'll do it. Uh, What's the matter with you, Leora? I'm all right. I've been watching you. You haven't eaten a thing. Well, Sandy, I don't want anything. Just the coffee. Anything wrong? Oh, nothing, darling. Just just a little tired, I guess. And the heat. Oh, no wonder, you poor kid. I'll take you home. Put you to bed. Come on. Oh, you'll do no such thing. You're going to give those inoculations to every native in this village. Well, I'll have Stokes take you down to the bungalow. Oh, nonsense. You'll need him here. I know my way. What's there to be afraid of? Oh, oh, just one thing, Sandy. I, I'm kind of ashamed to tell you we've been so darn busy. I forgot my second shot of serum. Leora. Get out your needle, Doc. Give me your arm. Mm-hmm. There. Thank you, Sandy. And darling, thanks. Well, thanks for everything. You're thanking me? You don't know what it means for somebody like me who who doesn't amount to so much. Getting a chance to be with somebody who does. Oh, Sandy, I'm so proud of you and of what you've done. Leora, if there's anything we've done here or anywhere... It's not mine, nor yours. It's ours, together. Leora, why are we talking this way to each other as if... Darling, there's nothing wrong. Oh, of course not. It's silly talk. But I wouldn't have missed it. I wouldn't have missed anything, Sandy. Not one single thing in our whole life. All that day, I continued the final inoculations, far through the night, into the next morning, as Leora had asked me. Twice, I tried to call Leora, but the phone seemed to be out of order. There was no answer. I went on. I wanted to be finished and get her out of there. I found her in a deserted bungalow the next day at noon, lying on the bed across the folds of torn mosquito netting. I held her in my arms. I called to her. She was still alive, but she couldn't hear me. In her delirium, she seemed to be listening for something. And then, just before the end, through her swollen lips and struggling breath, very faintly I heard her speak. You... You will come. Sandy. I know you... Come and help me. I know you come. Oh, Sandy. 
So tonight, after 32 years, I received my reward. I've just come home from a great hall where a banquet was held for me. There I was presented with the world's proudest scientific honor. The Nobel Prize. Speeches were made. The huge room rang with their bravos. They applauded for a full 15 minutes. Did you hear them, Leora? It wasn't for me they were applauding. It was for us, for those who were with us, for Alex Gottlieb, so passionate and wise, and Sundalius of the great heart and the invincible spirit, and for you, Leora, my wife. Could you hear them? Where you lie in your small, deep grave, in that high and windy garden overlooking the sea. It was for us they were applauding the hour. For us. The audience here in NBC's studio, 6A, has been applauding the final curtain of the Ford Theater's presentation of the Sinclair Lewis classic, Aerosmith. The title role was played by Lauren Gilbert. The part of Leora was portrayed by Fran Carlin. Dr. Alex Gottlieb was played by Peter Capel. With this afternoon's play, the Ford Theater completes its first season. In the parlance of the stage, the Ford Theater will remain dark for the summer. But even now, preparations are being made for the fall opening of the Ford Theater. In the 1948-49 season, the management of the Ford Theater plans to bring you a further series of entertaining radio dramas featuring stars of stage, screen, and radio. Next fall, the Ford Theater will be presented at a different hour and over a different network. It will be heard on Friday nights. It's been a great privilege for me to preside over these Ford Theater presentations for these past nine months. If our plays have pleased you, I extend to you on behalf of the Ford Motor Company a most cordial invitation to resume your patronage of the Ford Theater when our doors open again in the fall on October 8th. Thank you, Howard Lindsay. Smith was written by Sinclair Lewis, adapted for radio by John Houseman, and edited by Howard Teichman. The musical score was composed by Amadeo Di Filippi and conducted by Howard Barlow. The entire production was under the direction of George Zachary. Other players heard today were Vivian Barry, Dean Carlton, Art Carney, Raymond Edward Johnson, Ian Martin, Arnold Moss, Julian Noah, and Leora Thatcher. Watch the radio pages of your newspaper next fall for announcement of the opening of the 1948-49 season of the Ford Theater, presented by the Ford Motor Company, makers of Ford, Mercury, and Lincoln cars, and Ford trucks, farm tractors, and industrial engines. Kenneth Banghart speaking. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.